Welcome, welcome this morning. Thanks for being here and not being at the lake and not being at the beach and not being somewhere else. Thank you guys for being at Northwest Community Church. We recognize that there are many of our folks that are out and about, but we are so glad that you guys have chosen to be here with us. My name is Jerry, one of the pastors here, and and, uh, it is great to have you guys here on this Labor Day weekend. And wanted to just kind of uh, talk about something here this morning that we had planned a couple of months ago. You know, at Northwest, the way we plan our message series is to kind of go on top of each other and to be connected to each other uh, throughout the course of the year. We talked about Acts uh, last year, this summer, of course. We talked about the idea of um, the fruit of the Spirit, what that looks like, and each, each week we kind of tackled a different one. So typically what we try and do is like build on the week before, but on occasion, We've got certain Sundays, today being one of them, where we just kind of have the opportunity to do like a standalone message, a message that's kind of a one-off. You know, we know we got some people that are out of town, don't want to start a big series on that kind of Sunday, but we had one of those opportunities for this particular Sunday. So a couple months ago, we decided that wouldn't it be interesting and ironic on Labor Day weekend that we talk about the idea of rest. Anybody ever think like me, the idea of Labor Day, like what are we really celebrating tomorrow? Right? We're celebrating the idea of labor, the idea of work by not working. That makes sense to anybody else here? You know, if you know your history, Labor Day was established to celebrate kind of the American worker and industry and all that sort of thing. So we celebrate that by not working. Although I was talking to some people earlier and they're like, oh no, I'm working tomorrow. Yeah, so that illustration breaks down. So we're talking about Labor Day. We're talking about working and not working. I wanted to bring something to our minds here this morning to take a pause and to understand the natural rhythms of our life in humanity. And I want to start out by talking about the physical natural rhythms that we have as human beings. You know what they say, the average sleep that a human being needs per night is roughly, what, eight hours, right? That's about true. Anybody else ever think that like, yeah, you know what, how wimpy are we as beings where, you know, we have to rest for eight hours when we're barely awake doing maybe things that are strenuous or not strenuous for 16 hours. But one third of our time needs to be in physical rest and recovery. How many middle school and high school students do we have in here? Raise your hand up really high. Okay, good. Lots of you. You know what the average you guys need? Nine hours and 15 minutes of sleep per night. Anybody get that? (laughs) Really? Yeah, some of the homeschoolers are like, yeah, I get that. But think about it, though. Think about it. Nine hours and 15 minutes. That means if you have to get up at 6 a.m., then you should be going to sleep at about 8.45 p.m. That's crazy, right? Nobody gets that, probably, right? But that's what the experts say we need physically to revive and recuperate. And you think about the span of our lives, if you take that same formula throughout the course of our whole entire life, somebody lives to be 75 years old, you're going to spend roughly one-third of your time on this earth asleep, 25 years of your life would be spent unconscious and asleep. Some of you are like, that sounds wonderful. 25 years of rest. 
So we think about the physical aspect and we recognize for many of us that's not a reality. Maybe we don't get enough sleep and the physical illustration of our body just ceasing and stopping, heart rate slowing down, the mind slowing down and the body's natural rhythm to recover and repair itself to get ready for the next day. I wanted to bring that illustration to you because we're not talking about physical rest necessarily or only here this morning. We're talking about spiritual and emotional rest. This morning we're talking about the idea of Sabbath. The idea of Sabbath. The idea of taking an allotted span of time to rest, to recover, and to be. We're going to be talking about what it is and why it matters for us this morning. Now, I grew up in a really small church in New Jersey. It was just a small little church, maybe 30 or 40 people. Had these stained glass windows, ancient, 150-year-old, beautiful church. And uh, Sunday morning was somewhat like what we have here. Okay, there's songs that are organized and a pastor that's organized, you know, hopefully... It was my dad, and so he was up there preaching. We've got songs that kind of go along with it, and it's all planned, right? But then Sunday night, we also had church, and it was a lot different. It wasn't planned in organized songs. We had a hymn sing every Sunday night. Anybody go to a church like that? Um, raise up real high, right? Where it wasn't organized, and it was basically, okay, well, we can sing four or five other songs, and you guys choose what we want to sing. So people would raise their hand, and we had this hymn of five or six hundred different hymns, and you know they, they would choose whatever one they want, and we would sing it. So it wasn't organized, and it was you know perhaps at times throwing our piano player for a little bit of a loop, um, because they had to just sight read, and sometimes that was me, which was a little awkward. But the point is, there was this guy named Anson, you know, and in churches, one of the things we love about church and seeing the same people week after week, and we've known each other for years and years and years, there's this guy named Anson, single man, and every week without fail on him sing Sunday night at First Baptist Church in Milburn, New Jersey, he would raise up his hand and he would say, hymn number 549, I remember it to this day, and the name of the hymn was, O Day of Rest and Gladness. Anybody remember that one? O day of rest and gladness, O day of joy, delight, O balm of care and sadness, most beautiful, most bright, to thee the high and holy, ages joined in tune, we sing holy, 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 to the great God triune, I think is the way it goes. But anyway, that was his song, that was his anthem, and the song was about the Sabbath, the day of rest and gladness. And in the hymn writer's poetic splendor, he said, this is what the day should be when we gather corporately like this, or even individually when we set aside time to hear from God, it should be a day of rest and gladness. And I guess my question for us here this morning is, are those two words the words that characterize a Sabbath rest for you? That first one, rest, do you find it restful to carve out the time and come to church? Or is it everything that you can do with a, you know, bickering in the car and getting the kids ready to get here on time and that sort of thing, right? Is it a day of rest? Is it a day of gladness? Is it a day where we're so overjoyed with what the Lord has done for us that we come in and we're ready to sing and like, all right, preacher, let's get into the word. Let's do it. Let's, come on, this is so great. Smiles on our faces. 
Fortunately, sometimes in the American church, it cannot necessarily be known as a place of gladness. But what we want to talk about here this morning is what did God intend with this whole idea of rest and Sabbath? And how do we walk into that? How do we step into that? Well, to kind of set the stage for us, I wanted to focus on this scripture, the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, 3. And this is going to be kind of the bookend for us this morning. And let's see this word of the Lord. Here's what it says. Oh God, this is a promise inspired by the Holy Spirit, the prophet Isaiah, for those people and for us. Oh God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace no matter what's going on, no matter what thoughts are swirling around in your mind here this morning, no matter what you're anxious about, no matter what you're concerned about, no matter what it is that is causing that peace to to be unrest, we fix our minds, our thoughts on the things of God, that peace will come. And that's our goal for us here this morning is to talk about some of these different concepts so that the Lord might impress upon your heart and meet you exactly where you are. So if you're taking notes this morning, I basically just got the message wrapped up into three simple points. What are the three things that we need to know about Sabbath? And point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. The Sabbath is about rest. The Sabbath is about rest. And that's kind of the phrase right there. That's the umbrella. The Sabbath is about rest. And I wanted to focus on something a little bit more pointed underneath it, which is that God is in control. God is in control. This morning, we need to be reacquainted with this idea of Sabbath and the fact that the Lord created it to prove that he is sovereign over us. Now, as we talk about it, we need to recognize and understand, even here this morning, in our society, over the landscape here in America, and certainly even throughout the world, there is so much pressure and so much busyness and so much stress on us that for many of us, it's incredibly difficult to even think about resting in the way that the Lord commands us here. Does anybody else feel that? Concerns of money? concerns of relationships. What am I going to do about next week? What am I going to do about this job situation? I'm unemployed. How can I get a job? Or what about my broken relationship with, with a sibling? Uh, what about, you know, what's going on in the world? Man, just over and over and over, all this stuff just floods down upon us, even as believers. And it was pretty amazing to me this week as I was trying to practice a little bit of what I preach and took a couple hour bike ride on Saturday morning, just kind of clear my mind, just kind of listen to the Lord. And I was actually listening to a podcast from the Summit Church, right up north of us here, J.D. Greer, incredible expositor of scripture and man of God. And this is from like maybe two weeks ago. And the message that I just so happened to click on, because somebody else posted it on Facebook, was a message about anxiety, a message about our failure to rest and trust in the Lord. And it's incredible because that was exactly the same things that I had been preparing to deliver to you this morning. As a matter of fact, some of the statistics were almost exactly the same. And I've got a timestamp on it. I promise this was all prepared, you know, 
before I listened to his? Because it was funny. He said 75% of Americans experience medical symptoms of stress. The research that I found said 77. So I don't know. Somebody's a little bit off. I'll go head to head with them. But think about that, though, and how ironic is that and how incredible is that? That the Lord is impressing upon us, even in the greater Raleigh area, different congregations, people on the same team, though, different pastors, people on the same team, though, that's saying, no, you know what? Among our people right now, we need to be vitally aware of stress and issues and pressures and anxieties and fears and what God wants to teach us through this. 77% of medical ailments and doctor's appointments even diseases that develop can somehow be traced back to this idea of stress. This idea of, I don't know what to do with these anxious thoughts, with these feelings, with these pressures. And unfortunately, even in the church world, we are not exempt. Sometimes, especially in the church world, we are not exempt. I don't know if, everybody, if anybody else saw on Facebook this week the account of this pastor out in California Great church, loving church, loving family, great speaker who lost his battle with depression, who had lived in darkness and in fear and, and came clean with his congregation. I watched a whole message on it where he was just sharing how much he was struggling and, uh, you know, he went to counseling and all this stuff and, and yet he lost his battle ultimately. And this blog post from his wife who was just talking about this, how, how much she loved him and, 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 just, and just, it just brought back to mind again the clear, present reality of the inner workings of the heart and how vital it is for all of us to be aware of the external versus the internal. And part of what's happened here is that the Lord created an avenue for us to rest to spend time with each other, to be authentic, and to help us to realize it all doesn't depend on us. There's a time for rest. And that's what we're going to see here in the scriptures. These feelings that come and these feelings that bother us and stress us out. I came across this one quote. said this, and this is no offense to any seven-year-olds in here, okay? But it said this, feelings are like a seven-year-old. You can't lock them in the trunk of your car but you can't let them drive either. And I thought that was significant. You can't just do away with them. They're important. They're part of the way our mind works and our heart works. But you can't also let them have the driver's seat because there's something way more important than that. Here in Exodus, we get this account of where this was first given as part of the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says. Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner or the visitor who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A couple of quick things I just want to point out about this first point about resting. Number one is this. We recognize that this is an Old Testament command, one of the Ten Commandments, but it absolutely still is vital and important for us today. 
We look at the New Testament after Jesus came, fulfilled the law. So many of the Old Testament laws meant for the people of Israel were were abolished then, and Christ was the fulfillment of them, and we live in freedom now. But certainly we see the principles still true in all ten of the commandments. Nine out of the ten explicitly are repeated in the New Testament by Christ and confirmed by the New Testament authors. And the one that is not necessarily explicitly repeated is this one right here about remembering the Sabbath. But at the same time, it was exemplified by Jesus himself and by others, so we know that principle is absolutely there, that we need to be refreshed and we need to rest. But I want us to recognize here this morning that this is the longest of all Ten Commandments. So there is a certain weight that goes along with it because it's the longest. All the other ones are just kind of short bullet points, but this one right here, it expounds and it expands and it's longer and longer and longer and longer and it could be that the lord really did want us to take this one absolutely seriously we need to recognize a couple things about it Um, number one it's a gift for us remember this comes right on the heels of the exodus right god's people who were under slavery for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. God had rescued them and brought them out. And back when they were in slavery, they had to work seven days a week. You remember the Pharaoh, the taskmasters, and the, they would enslave them and had to do unbelievable amounts of work. And they say, nope, you know what? There's still work to be done. There's still uh, fields to plow and everything else. But on this seventh day, I'm going to give you a gift. And the gift is that I'm going to command you not to to work at all i don't want your kids to work i don't want your servants to work even the animals get in on it i don't want your animals to work i want it to be purposeful ceasing and resting it's pretty incredible when we think about it and you know if you've got some friends that are of a different denomination of christianity or certainly our jewish friends you'll realize that when we talk about sabbath in the old testament the day truly was saturday Okay, because that is the seventh day. First day, Sunday, seventh day is Saturday. So that really was the Sabbath in the Old Testament system. We recognize in the New Testament, you know, the early church met on the first day of the week. We see that over and over and over again in Scripture. That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So for us, that is our Sabbath, right? First day of the week. And that's not bad, but you just need to be aware of that. But we need to recognize that in the Old Testament, man, when you talk about the law and how important it was for people to remember the Sabbath and to not work at all, they had so many debates about this, all externally based so that they could look really good and look really holy. They would have arguments like, well, can you or can you not walk? Can you or can you not lift up a fork on your table? Is that considered work? What about, you know, if your animal falls into a hole, can you help them out or do you need to let them just stay there until the next day? Like, they were so much concerned with the external keeping of the Sabbath, it was really unbelievable. As a matter of fact, there were 613 laws about what they could and couldn't do in extra-biblical literature. Even to this day, if you know somebody who's Orthodox, an Orthodox Jew, as I've known many and have had many friends, they will um, absolutely keep very, very strict regulations as to what they can do and not do on the Sabbath. A few months ago when I was uh, visiting my father in the hospital in New Jersey, I went to the hospital to visit him, and they had two sets of elevators. I don't know if you've ever seen this. One was just a normal elevator, and one was called the Shabbat elevator 
I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's a lot of Jewish people up in that area in New Jersey. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting. And it's called the Shabbat elevator because that's another word for Sabbath. And that elevator is specifically for people that don't want to do any work because it automatically stops at every single floor. Because for some of those people starting at night on Friday night and going all the way through Saturday night, they couldn't do any work and including pushing a button on the elevator. So that's why this elevator was created. So I'm there and of course I see that and I choose to instead go on the Jesus elevator that you can do whatever you want because we're living in freedom now, right? Now, I wasn't there over a Friday night or on a Saturday, but if I was, my bet would be a lot of my Jewish friends would be like, hey, we'll come with you. Can you hit floor number four, number eight, whatever? And that's great. We can make a connection. But the point is that it was a command and it was a gift that was given that on this day, you should rest. Physically, you should rest. There's always going to be concerns. There's always going to be work to do. There's more and more things that can enter into our mind. But the command is, you know what? It's okay to just sit and to just be and to just rest. What the Sabbath was given to us for. One element. Number two. Sabbath is not only about rest, but the Sabbath is about remembering. The Sabbath is about remembering key phrase that we want under that umbrella of this idea of remembering is that God has rescued us. Okay, check out this uh, passage here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Again, command of the people, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You can see, guys, that that's a command right there. It's not just, hey, rest, because you saw the example of God the Father when he created the world in six days and then he rested. It's not just that. It's not just about physical renewal, although that's part of it. Very clearly, according to this passage, it is you are to take time and you are to remember your rescue. This is directly after God brought them out. He wants them to take time to contemplate and to think about everything that the Lord has done for them because that will change your perspective. Check out this passage from Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. If you're anything like me, you want to make a difference, you want to make a change, you want to do stuff. And so often we think, man, it's in striving, it's in energy, it's in new ideas, it's in taking the next mountain that we want to really be effective for God. But check out what God says here in Isaiah chapter 30. For thus says the Lord, the Holy One, it is in returning and in rest that you shall be saved. It is in quietness and in trust that shall be your strength. So if you want to be saved, if you want to have strength, it's a recognition of what God has done for you and resting in that and letting that change your perspective remembering that God has rescued us we have a little joke uh, running joke on our staff at Northwest about man can we have a single summer where we don't have some sort of incident with staff or staff kids or whatever uh, with riptides on the North Carolina coast 
I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago, Matt shared about his kids and my son Caden was involved in an incident where, you know, they, get, they got swept out. And, and just about a month ago, I was on the North Carolina coast again with my family and we had an incident. And, uh, you know, Caden a couple years ago got really scared by that whole situation and is especially vigilant. I mean, he's older, stronger now. But even so, you know, there was one day where it was kind of rough and he even said to his cousins, like, guys, we've got to be careful. Let's just go up to our waist, you know, because the sea is just not looking good. And so we were just out there hanging out on the, on the beach and I was, you know, half asleep, maybe mostly asleep, practicing Sabbath rest. And all of a sudden, Caden comes up to me. He's like, Dad, Dad, I think they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble. So I jump up really quick and I look and I see, and I see two of my, uh, you know, I see uh, one of my nephews and one of my nieces and, and their friend and they are out there. Probably 75 yards, maybe 100 yards. Not even close to anybody else around. And immediately we knew this was trouble. I said, Caden, go call the lifeguard right now. And the lifeguard was about half a mile up the shoreline. You could barely even see him. So Caden goes booking it up there, and I go running into the ocean. And I'm telling you, even to get out close to where they were was incredibly difficult because I could feel that current pulling you it was so hard with the waves coming in and this is coming that way and I'm being moved that way. And, but finally, I get out there and, and, I, and I'm there with our, our, my, my niece, Mariah. I mean, she's a teenager. These are not little kids. But they are all struggling and a look of fear on their eyes and a look of fear in my eyes because I see that this is not good. So I grab Mariah. The other two were a little bit more that way. And I'm like, I swim that way for everything you're worth. And, and I start swimming this way. And I'm just kind of trying to be a presence and trying to be encouraging, trying to help out physically when I can, trying to get out of that, out of that sway, out of that, that whole situation. And, and these breakers are crashing even all the way out there. And I'm swallowing water. And I'm saying to myself, this is not good. I'm, I'm seriously saying to myself, this could be, this could be the end. And I hear this buzz of an ATV coming from all the way up there, you know, and, and they were helping them first. And I'm like, oh, Lord, please, you know, Mariah, it's okay. Like, we can do this. Just stay up. Like, they'll help us. They'll rescue us. And I hear an ATV coming from all the way down the other side of the shore, uh, zipping all the way up. And I knew that help was on the way. And, and, and finally, this guy, you know, swims out, throws the big foam thing to Mariah, pulls her in, and swims out and throws the foam thing to me. And like, I had to be rescued. My arms and my legs were complete rubber at this point. And I had to be rescued and brought in. And, and all of us were there on the shoreline and we're down on our knees and coughing and sputtering. But we were safe. And it's just that moment, I don't know if you've ever been rescued like that or had one of those situations where you're looking around and you're just like, uh, your, your perspective is totally changed because you realize where you were and what happened. And I kept saying to the guy, thank you so much, thank you so much for getting here so quickly, thank you so much. And I kept on hugging my little niece and my nephew and, and the rest of the family was around and it was just one of those, one of those huge moments where you realize the danger of life, and the brevity of life. And so needless to say, we didn't go back into the ocean that day. Not even up to my ankles, you know? It's like, you know what, guys? We are done. We are done, and we are tired, and we go back to the house and go into the pool where you can actually see everything, and there's no waves, and you can trust that everything is going to be okay. But guys, for the next couple of hours... What do you think it was that we talked about over and over and over again? That situation. 
I can't believe that that happened. I'm so glad that they came. I'm so glad they rescued us. And you just kept on, it, it, it was something that you couldn't stop talking about. And later on that night, everybody took a shower, everybody got ready for dinner, and here you are now with your extended family, 20 plus people, and I'm looking around to these people and this experience that we had, and, 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 and it was almost, it was everything I could do to get through the prayer uh, for the meal without getting all choked up, saying, thank you, God, for your provision for us. Thank you, God, that you rescued us. And over and over and over that night, out of nowhere, I just go up and just give them a hug. And I love you. I'm just so glad you're here. Caden, thank you for being aware. Thank you for telling me. And thank you, God. Over and over and over. Because your perspective changes when you realize what you were brought from. Guys, for us, no matter what anxiety is going on, no matter what fear is going on in your, in your heart or in your life, just like the nation of Israel, we need to recognize that a Sabbath day, an opportunity carved out for us is specifically to look back and see what God has brought us from. It's not just to look ahead. Sometimes we think, hey, a Sabbath, you know what? We need to rest. We need to prepare our minds for what's going to be happening this week and the anxieties and the work I need to do and school and all that kind of stuff. That, that could be part of it. But part of this command right here is, nope, you need to look behind and recognize that God has rescued you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that God has reached down and he has saved you and he has remade you, it's important for us on Sabbath day. Finally, number three, Sabbath is about reconnecting. Sabbath is about reconnecting. God desires to fill us. I love the life of Christ, what we see over and over again, modeling a balance in his life, right? And even speaking to his disciples and modeling a balance for them. And in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we get a pretty interesting perspective. And he, that is Jesus, said to the disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Guys, what we see here in this whole idea about reconnecting with God and, and allowing the Lord to fill us is that what Jesus was doing and spending his time doing was incredibly important, and it was really good, and it was really effective. He was healing people. He was teaching people. He was sharing God's truth with them, the, the disciples as well, right? They were doing good things. But it was even in doing good things that Jesus said, stop, time out. I know people are coming and going. I know more people need to be healed. I know more people need to be taught, but I need to step away. I need to be refreshed in my humanity by my Father. I need my disciples to stop and to rest, even though there's work to be done and good things to be done. It's important for us guys to recognize that many of us, even in church culture, can so busy ourselves by doing even good things that we neglect the rest and the silence to allow God to refresh our souls. Look at Isaiah chapter 58. Got a passage on, on the text there. And man, first half of this chapter is all about people that are outwardly doing great things. They're singing songs of praise. They're calling for fasts. They are praying they're doing some incredible outward things but their hearts are far from god and the challenge to these people is this if you turn back your foot from the sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day 
And if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Guys, to truly be refreshed, to truly understand God's gift to us, God's command to us, God's example to us of Sabbath is for him to say, come away with me. And come rest your body. Come remember what I've done for you. And allow me to refresh and reconnect with your soul. You're not meant to be sovereign. You're not meant to be all powerful. But so often we take on those roles on our own heart. And think that we need to be God. And it all depends on us. And this is God's way of saying it doesn't depend on you. I'm in control. I will do it. What are some applications just in closing here? How do we have an effective Sabbath? Just four quick things that I wrote down that we can kind of take away with us. Number one, we need to smash the pharaohs who rule over you. Remember the context. It's Exodus, right? It's the pharaoh and slave driver, right? Well, in our own hearts, in our own minds, we've got things that rule over us as well. Maybe it's email, maybe it's addiction to television, maybe it's work, uh, whatever it is that's kind of the slave driver in our, in our lives, taking our affections and ruling over us. We need to rid ourselves of that, smash that, so that we can really be poured into by God. Number two, we need to smash the twin idols that diminish the Sabbath. Lots of smashing going on. I don't know, we're really violent here apparently. Twin idols that we're talking about are work and comfort we talk about well how can i possibly take four or five hours and and just rest or just take a nap or just wait on the lord you have no idea how much work that i have to do this coming week all the things that i'm busying my mind with that can be an idol that can be something we worship and for some of us maybe it's even comfort on a sabbath or on a day off we just want to you know watch tv or do other things that kind of you know are, are mindless and make us comfortable and maybe for some, actually sitting in silence is not comfortable. But that goes into point number three. How do we make the most out of our Sabbath? We create margin for silence and reflection. Create a margin for that. Schedule that in. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's at night. 15 minutes of like, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Let, me? let me clear my heart. Let me clear my mind a little bit. And the last one goes right along with it. Come expectant for God to reveal himself. When we're talking about Sabbath, guys, we're not talking about uh, just what we do here on Sundays. This is part of it. But we're talking about in your own personal life, in your own heart, getting away and getting quiet enough to hear from God. And are we coming expectant for that? You know, even when we come here on Sunday mornings, are we ready with a journal? Are we ready like when we walk in the door? All right, God, your word's going to be talked about. What do you want to say to me this morning? What do you want to say to me through the worship music? What do you want to say to me through scripture? When you get alone with God, when you read scripture on your own, God, say something to me. Speak to me, Lord. Through your word, we come expectant. It's going to be incredible to see what that looks like. Does your mind fill with anxiety this morning? Is your heart filled with fears? Isaiah 26, verse 3. Oh God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. Let's pray together. Oh God, 
We just thank you for your truth. We thank you for your strength. Lord, we thank you for your power when we feel like we don't have any. We thank you, God, that you are sovereign and that there's nothing that we're facing that is too big for you to handle. And Lord, we just confess those areas of our lives where we've been working and striving and trying so hard. And Lord, we pray that we would rest, that we would remember, and that we would be refreshed, God, by who you are, that you promise you will give us strength and wisdom for each day, and that it will be renewed every morning. So God, for all the stories in this room right now, for all the different narratives that we see, for fears about physical ailments, for fears about relationships, whatever they are, God, we just rest in you. Lord, help us to be a people that established this rhythm of rest, stopping from our labors and stopping from our strivings. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your son's name.